0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Smart Cities Chronicles. Uh, My name is Adam Beck, your host of the Chronicles, my day job executive director at the Smart Cities Council for Australia and New Zealand. Uh, Welcome back to uh, another episode of The Week in Data. This is cool, episode 57 on the Chronicles. Uh, we're powering through them this year. Uh, and um, the uh, the weekend Data is uh, our new episode, uh, as I've mentioned a few times, where we bring a guest on to the podcast. We have a chat about what they've seen, heard and read uh, during the week around all things data. And joining me, uh, joining me on this episode is Dr. Vanessa Savage-Douglas. Vanessa, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Oh, you're welcome, Adam. It's my pleasure.
0: Um, Vanessa, we've got people scattered all over the world listening into our podcast. I'd love for you to share uh, uh, a quick bio. Who are you and what do you do?
1: Oh, perfect. So um, I'm a partner at an a independent consulting firm. We look after information and data. And really what I do is I solve complex problems that people are having with their information and data. And that can range from ensuring the privacy of students at schools while they're learning, sometimes that involves ensuring that vulnerable people's information is shared in a safe, respectful, but yet timely way across different government agencies. Um, sometimes it's as simple as just working out how to migrate data from one system to another. Um, but I guess the main thing is that no two days are ever the same, and we're always coming across new and innovative ways that people have used data um, to deliver the outcomes that they're looking for.
0: How long have you been playing around in the data space out of curiosity?
1: Oh, so professionally, um, I've been playing around for about 15 years. Look, my PhD, Adam, is in knowledge management. And so this is a concept that we could we can manage the knowledge that individuals and organisations have. Um, and I did that back in the early 2000s. So really, I think my entire life, has, professional life, has been related in some way to try to make sense of what people do with um, information, how they use technology to support that. And, um, and all
0: the different ways it can go wrong. Early 2000s, that feels like light years ago. What, um, what have been some major, I mean, I mean, was data as, as sort of uh, topical back then as it is now? I mean, the smart cities things evolved, you know, more recently. What were times like back in the 2000s with respect to data? Like, what were people doing? What were, what were your clients sort of asking for?
1: oh look uh I look back when when i was doing my phd um people were just implementing technology solutions and hoping for the best they weren't they weren't <laughs> thinking about the data that were. so nothing's changed <laughs> 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 yeah, a little bit i'm, no, I'm, I'm, only, not I'm
0: only joking yes <laughs>
1: <laughs> i don't know some days um i'm not sure you are um look i'll give you this when i did my phd research uh, I've looked at an organisation that was implementing PeopleSoft at the time. And the one thing that always struck me was someone saying in the administration group, well, we chose PeopleSoft because it looked like Microsoft Word. It looked nothing like Microsoft Word to an end user. And they hated it. And so then they uh, they kept using piles of paper. And I was in someone's office one day with a pile of paper as high as the desk saying, well, tell me, you know, when you need to know this information, where do you go? And they said, oh, well, it's in the system, but I don't trust it. So i look at that pile of paper. And really, I think we've come a long way since then. And yet now we're just keeping that pile of paper in Excel sheets on our desks.
0: I was, um, I was talking to my daughter last night. Her first, uh, first day of university is today. And, um, <clears throat> she's in a brand new campus, um, uh, in, in, uh, in Brisbane and, um, I was sort of describing what what things were like when I left my last day at university, undergraduate, I don't know what that was, 1990-something. Um, I was handing some books into the library, you know, never to come back, finish my, my undergraduate. And I was telling her that um, uh, as I was leaving the library, I was watching them set up three computer terminals where the internet was getting connected. Um, and... You know there was no email address back then when I was there, so uh, I think the only kind of identity and sort of fingerprint I had was like a student ID card um, and of course, now you know with university, you know courses are online, laptops are in the uh, in the in the lecture uh, theater, um, email addresses um the the entire sort of data world has has sort of gotten to a place where literally um we are hyper connected um i on monday was down in uh, in new south wales and the minister for customer service victor dominello was uh, was again using that term data is the new oil um I, I, I sort of you know i i irk at times when i hear that but give me a sense of you know sort of where this world is at at the moment what are you what are you sort of seeing and hearing particularly around this idea of the you know the 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 quantum of data and, and and so forth
1: yeah um adam i think when i think about the term data as the new oil in particular i think it might be but it strikes me that we're at the stage of alchemy so using that as an analogy there's i think there's People, everyone's trying to do something with data. They're trying to transform it into something amazing. And yet we haven't necessarily worked out what that amazing is. We don't know that. And when we do manage it, we don't know the secret sauce. You know, we we can't replicate it. And so while we're awash with data, there's very few of us that are actually using it well, that Mm. are leveraging it, and and even fewer that are really applying it to take activities to the next level.
0: So... Okay. So you're saying very few are really leveraging the value or acknowledging the value yet, you know, you work for, you work for GWI, you know, you got a bunch of, of data people in there working all day, every day with clients. So, so what's happening is, is it just a few enlightened ones that are getting it, are leveraging it where the others are are trying to, they're getting systems in place, but they're just, it's just not happening for them. I mean, you know, you you guys are flat out and busy. I'd imagine. I mean, the the demand for you know systems and frameworks and governance and analytics, surely the demand's there, right? But but we're not we're not executing. Is is sort of that that the sense I'm getting?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's like it's the cool new thing everyone still wants to deal with. And yet there's a couple of basics that you have to get right. Like you have to understand your data. You have to understand the limitations on that data, the quality of it, so you understand how it's going to be used. And doing those things, Adam, are really boring. Like, I, I won't lie, they're, they're not mm. the fun, exciting things. They're not the aha moment, when which everyone seems to be looking for, when they say to us, um, we've got a bunch of data and we, we are sure that there are some insights in here. Can you find them? And generally we have to say, well, Probably not without doing a bunch of work first to understand what data you've got, what shape it's in, and also to understand what sort of insights you're looking for. Because it's very easy to draw correlations between data sets, and I'm sure we've all seen those great data sets that show correlations between, you know, Johnny Depp movies and number of murders. Finding the actual trigger where you can change someone's behaviour, where we can protect someone um, just by knowing some data about their life, that is incredibly hard. Um, And and I think we underestimate the effort, um, both in terms of human cost, computing cost, uh, that it actually takes to get to that point.
0: Okay, so let's get on to the topical stuff. Not that that wasn't topical, of course, but um, my topic of uh, what have you seen, heard or read recently? What have you got for me?
1: Oh, so this week in Queensland... Uh, the Impala recommendations came out. So Operation Impala was a, an investigation conducted by the CCC here, looking into unauthorized access um, to systems. And I think this is a really interesting thing from a couple of angles. One is that over the past five, 10 years, every review that's been done of, of across government has identified that information information confidentiality, data sharing, absolutely crucial to improvement. Impala is no different. So, but it's been more explicit in some places than past reviews have been and because this one's really just around the way that information and data is accessed i think it's really uh, interesting that
0: vanessa sorry sorry to interrupt what sparked the impala investigation was there there anything in particular
1: yeah, there was, over the past few years in Queensland, there's been some allegations of misuse, of a particular QPS system, the police systems, mm-hmm. um, And they've been broadly substantiated. So yeah, okay. people have yeah. been accessing these systems when they shouldn't be. And that's a huge challenge. You know, when you put a bunch of information together, I mean, we all are just generally curious humans, I think. Like, if you've got access to someone and you think, oh, Maybe I will, look up what my neighbour's been doing. Mm. Yeah, it's really hard to resist that um, for some people. And so that's where Impala's really come from. Is saying, well, gov- these government systems, we've got some people who are trusted to have access to this information when they need it. Um, but not everyone is applying that when they need it lens.
0: So you alluded to the fact that there's been multiple sort of similar investigations over time and obviously, some some systemic issues there around how information is is managed. Um, are, are you are you kind of hinting at the issue, maybe that we're not we're not, <laughs> we're not acting upon what the what the findings are saying or what the data is showing? What, what's happening there? I think we're seeing. I
1: think we're seeing it as a journey. Um, And it's really important to understand, I think, you don't grow capability in information and data overnight. It's not just you can flick a switch and understand it. It is incredibly complex and it's hard because you can't touch information and data in the same way that you can touch your garden or you can learn how to become a mechanic. What I've seen and what I think Impala really shows is that we've gotten to the point where people understand that information and data is important. They Mm -hmm. understand they've got to do more. But we're still not entirely comfortable with the concept of giving up a bit of bit of our security and our risk to deliver a better outcome. And, and I'll give you an example from some work we've been doing lately. Uh, in Queensland, we've got new legislation in the Youth Justice Act that really clearly says that we can share information between agencies for vulnerable children, children who are before the court. And yet in some of the work that we're doing, despite that legislation being there, so the framework is in place, people are saying, I understand the legislation, but I'm not prepared to take that risk with my data. So it's a, it's a real balance. I think we've gotten to the point where people understand why it's important, but we haven't gotten to the point where people are actually educated enough to have a discussion about the risks, the benefits and the trade-offs, because nothing is ever 100% guaranteed. You know, all the safety systems in our cars don't guarantee that we're not gonna die in a, die in a car crash. Safety systems in our planes don't guarantee that where that that plane is going to make it to its destination safely. But on balance we accept that those risks have already been weighed up. We can't do that with information and data yet. So we can't have a conversation that says, look, on balance, I think that we can share this information and there's a small risk that this might happen. I'm not I'm not seeing that in the market yet.
0: Mm. I'm still looking
1: for sure completely legal or no, there are no risks. There's absolutely no risk that this system will be breached. No one can claim that. That's that's just not practical.
0: Does risk? I get the sense that risk, um, fear of of you know, impact backlash, um, seems to play a pretty big uh, part in sort of in action, if i can sort of say that you know i, I was reviewing something recently uh major multi-million dollar program from the federal government uh, around some infrastructure work the data clearly shows that you don't do that um and the program nonetheless gets launched so i i was trying to do a post-mortem on that you know why would why would one why would a politician make that decision um in you know it goes against the grain of, of what the data says so so as I, I imagine that there's there's these qualitative issues whether it be politics whether it be fear um whether it be sort of perception you know regardless of what data is saying um the other path is is either quicker or easier or what what have you. Am, am I being unfair in making that comment? Is that something that that sort of you see as well?
1: Oh, absolutely. And and there all of those all of those items that political will, um, legislation, so forth can be a double edged sword. Yeah, we've done some work where because there has been executive buy in, we could get information some information sharing in place. Which wouldn't have been possible otherwise. But equally, we see the reverse all the time, where um, executives are reluctant to enter into any agreements without the complete removal of risk, mm. uh, which is really frustrating. I yeah. think um, I I always this as um, I read a book ages ago, and I can't remember which one it was uh, about data, but there was a line in there that stuck with me which was at the moment we are still using data to justify our decisions we are not being led to decisions by data Mm. and i think on whole that's what is still happening we've made up our mind and we kind of look for the data to support it Mm. rather than letting the data tell us where we should go
0: Mm. yeah i um (laughs) i can't agree more than that um hey just pivoting for a moment, last, um, when was it? Last October, Smart Cities Week in Sydney. You were part of a uh, sort of a masterclass session around civic data trusts. Um, talk to me about those three words, civic data trusts.
1: Interesting. Yeah, that, that's a, I, love, I really like the concept of
0: civic data trusts. I mean, they sound so cool, um, right? <laughs>
1: They sound amazing, right? Um, but then when you start to unpick it, it it's, it's pretty tricky. Mm. Um, start, if I might start with Data Trust if I can. Mm-hmm. And that's basically just establishing for me a, a set of data from a range of different participants that's shared. And there are rules around how that data is shared and accessed and, and it's been pulled together for a purpose. The specific part of it for me really comes in when we're talking about it applying to a community. And that could be a city, it could be a particular subgroup uh, subgroup in a committee, uh, in a committee subgroup in a community rather, sorry. Although well, I suppose a committee could have one too um, that is in charge of controlling how that data is used and accessed. Uh, it's a little bit like if you think of a family trust, you know, a family trust is set up mm-hmm. so that one you know, has, has control and typically it's around money. Data does be tricky because there's no money. Um, and so that means that we have to define that data in a really precise way. We all agree on what a dollar is. We don't all agree on what a customer field is, for example. And so that's one of the challenges when you're setting up a civic data trust is getting agreement on exactly what's going in and how it's going to be used.
0: You know, I um, I kind of have been trying to read a bit about this over the past sort of six months and I've been pinning some thoughts around data trusts and, you know, this this sort of intersection between community engagement, you know, data, um, government, technologists, you know. And, and I suppose I'd be lying if sort of the Sidewalk Labs project in Toronto wasn't an influence in my interest here. But um, uh, I, in my journeys and in my research, you know, the, this kind of solid, classic um, research and case studies around data trusts, as you just described it there, you know similar mod- modeled you know on a similar basis to sort of you know family trust and so forth um, but you know with with this sort of greater uh, concern real or perceived around you know digital things in the public realm and cameras and capturing and sensing and sort of this explosion of iot and many parts of our daily life sort of being recorded somehow. Um, that, that that civic part of the data trust, I'm finding very limited research examples. I know the Open Data Institute in the UK has probably done the most recent trial, very rapid trial. I think it was six months, maybe, you know, three to six projects. Um, I can find zero standards I, i'm a standards guy as i've mentioned many times I, I like the idea of having you know consensus-based frameworks and standards and guidelines that we can lean on and, and align with and refer to um but you know we're, we're we're sort of in new territory here with these data trust kind of ideas you know it's based on you know what others have done copy and paste tweak it maybe um what what and where are we at with respect to some of these emerging um sort of processes you know data trusts um mm-hmm. we've also got you know digital twins you know these emerging platforms and processes that help us activate our data uh in some way we're, we're operating in a little bit of a vacuum when it comes to sort of standards and policy and, and guidance Again, is that just me and my interpretation or are you seeing or hearing the same?
1: No, look, I, I, hear, I think it's, I'm hearing exactly the same. And I think it's in part the nature of living on a bleeding edge. You, you, someone's got to be first. And yeah, unfortunately, if we're thinking about this first, that, that, that's us. Um, and without those examples, I think it is really difficult to work out what those what standards we expect to have in place. I also think we're still struggling to really relate things like digital twins and civic data trust to discrete real-world problems. I think because they've got so much potential, um, just as technologists and as humans, to be honest with you, we look at that and go, wow, look at all these cool things that we could do, but it's much harder than to bring it back to Mm. one discrete problem. And that's one of the things I do like about the Sidewalk Labs example is that they've tried to do that tried to say, okay, we understand the project, we understand the nature of the information. Um, But back to our point from earlier, it's exhausting bringing all that together. So if you think of, we talk about all the surveillance data that's out there, imagine the job of going through and collating and putting together and then matching up because those crosswalks between all the different data sets for surveillance data. I mean, obviously some of the um, national security agencies will do this, but that's a huge job. And it's not a particularly interesting one. Like in and of itself, it's not going to give you anything, but it is a really important enabler. Yeah. So I think what we we need to focus on are those really discrete um, case studies that can actually prove that these concepts work, prove what needs to be involved in each of them, and then start putting the feelers out for the next one.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. What have you heard recently around data that's intrigued you? Have you heard anything? Overheard anything? Um,
1: uh, look uh, at the moment, I'm a little bit fixated on one thing that uh, one of my clients said to me the other day, which was we haven't gone and passed all this information sharing legislation for people to come up with new reasons not to share that that has, <laughs> for me has been the um, center of my week yeah um, but I- it's really interesting. It speaks to that concept of trying to maintain the status quo and not doing anything without risk. It's, um, but yeah, we all talk about the importance of it, right? Like we all talk about how we how we bring it together and how we need to do that.
0: Is is there? Um, let, let's talk about time for a moment. The concept of time with 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 data, and, and what I mean by that is, I, I was I was running a think tank session. I don't know a couple of weeks ago now and um we were uh i think we were having uh a discussion around climate and climate change um, and the paris agreement um the idea yeah. of reducing our emissions and the idea that you know we don't have a lot of time and and i sort of quipped, you know and and sort of said well you know it's now it's now 2020, right? We've turned the corner of the decade and we have 3,715 days left until it's 2030. And
1: yeah.
0: that kind of, it starts to put things into perspective, right? 3,715 days. Yet, you know, you can't wait right up until the end to try and do something. So you've probably got to bring that back. So you've got to, you've got to maybe, I don't know, I'm just playing with halves at the moment, you know, 1,500 days. Um, is there is there any sense of um urgency around uh, you know embracing the the value of data and insights and making better decisions is, is there is that that sense of urgency in your field do you see or hear anything or is it just you know auto you know you're on autopilot or you know we'll we'll work this out you know it, it, does urgency play a role at all does, does does time and the need to sort of solve problems now, in in any sense of urgency, come through in any any of the work that you do? Or I don't know, where do the data nerds hang out? Do you do you ever talk about this this issue? Uh,
1: look, I've been trying to get a data nerds in the pub going for a while. Um, <laughs> so if anyone's listening, I'm 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 on board for that. Uh, look, urgency plays out in two ways. I, I I'm seeing. It absolutely is, a, urgency is absolutely a thing when we're talking about solving a specific point problem that has, has arisen and um, is quite critical to get resolved um, in a short time frame. So that's when you start to see that, you know, go get this information, pull it together, tell me the insights, find out what's happening. We, we see that a lot. What we don't see is then that necessarily translating into a longer term initiative to actually lift capability so that next time the crisis arrives, we don't have to deal with it. Mm. Um, I think people are a bit tired. You know, the promises, analytics and data have uh, promised the world when, when we first started talking about it. And look, we, GWI, myself, would probably know differently. You know, we talked about all the potential. Um, the challenge is, of course, you can't have all the potential in the world. It's just not practical. No one has those resources. So I think we've failed to deliver on some of the promises and I think people are now looking at some of the information data concepts and going oh yeah all right yeah. we talk about low code or no code platforms but if you look at them they're really not low code like they're not they're not end user friendly you still got to have a level of familiarity and we all know people who say oh I can't use computers I don't know what I'm doing so there's that that challenge I think in capability uplift and what we promise um, versus what we deliver
0: um Vanessa, probably last question now. Give me, um, give me a sense of twenty twenty for you. You know, what are you excited about? What are you looking forward to? Any pet projects or pet interests from uh, fr- from your sort of data world?
1: Oh, uh, a couple of key things, Adam. Um, twenty twenty for me. Uh, we're launching on International Women's Day the next tech search for the next tech girl superhero. Some of the projects that these primary and high school teams have come up with over the past few years have been phenomenal. I'm so looking forward to new ways, the new ways that the next generation come up with looking at data and giving me new enthusiasm for what's going on. So that's, um, that's probably my number one for the moment. Uh, but professionally, um, we're just actually seeing more people get it. You know, as much as I've, I've sort of complained that people don't understand uh, information and data, mm. yeah, you know, more and more we're getting quite um, nuanced and interesting questions. Just the other day, I got a question to say, well, in light of changes to the insurance and banking codes, we're going to collect more information about vulnerable people and we don't quite know what that's going to look like yet. But we need to start thinking about it now and so can you help us work out how we're going to manage that data? Um, And you know what? Five years ago, even three years ago, we would not have had that question. People would have been coming coming to us with that question when they'd had a data breach. They'd been asking us that question when they'd been in the press. But I think... Like, I'm excited to see the actual practical application of some of these these reviews and um, changes to some of our societal structures being played out in our clients.
0: Talking about... Um, sorry, I know that was going to be the last question, but um, uh, just talking about data, collecting data and, um, and, and sort of vulnerable uh, populations, um, I did note just recently right i think in the last week or two that um your sydney team participated in that street count um sort of exercise down in sydney you know around um you know collecting data um uh, volunteers collecting data uh on on sort of homeless people you know sleeping rough at night um i mean it's just so awesome like that that's just incredible can you tell us a bit about that
1: yeah, oh, that it's such a it's such a simple solution too to to the problem of knowing exactly how many people are sleeping rough. Um, so, look, group of volunteers, they go out between one a.m. and three a.m. and in groups because obviously, it's, you know, quite quite late and quite dark. Um, just take a census. It's a, it's the census of the invisible, if you like, um, and just to see where people are where people are sleeping, how many people are actually there. Yeah, you can't plan without hard numbers, and that's really the purpose of, of that activity. Is to say, well, let's quantify the problem that we all see every day in our cities.
0: Yeah, I I love that. You know, technology and data helping our most vulnerable populations. Um, something very, very dear to our heart. Uh, and and you know, congrats on uh, on on having uh, your team in Sydney involved, and also of course the leadership of city of sydney i suppose so um so that was great uh vanessa thanks uh thanks so much for joining us today it's been a delight to have a chat to you about you know all kind of things and stuff around data what you were seeing and hearing it's been very enlightening uh and um uh hoping that you uh you have a fantastic day thanks so much for joining us oh
1: look anytime adam it's, it's been really great to chat to you
0: And for our listeners who are not subscribing to the Chronicles podcast, you can do so. uh, Go to the place where you listen into your podcast. You'll find us there, Smart Cities Chronicles. You can also head to our website, smartcitieschronicles.com or send us an email, uh, chronicles at ANZ. Dot smart my name is adam beck host of the chronicles uh thanks for joining us on another episode of our the week in data uh, we look forward to bringing you another episode soon until then have a great week